This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, my mother always told me that if you want to kill an idea, give it to a committee. And that's exactly where Governor Jared Polis' signature housing bill, his biggest priority of the session, is going to end up. At least that's how it looks to me this week. But it's Friday, and me and our host, Bree Davies, and one of our favorite guests are going to get into it. And the latest historic preservation fight, and all the other local stories that mattered this week. Today is Friday, April 28th. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city where it's too expensive to raise a kid, even if you're running for city council. <laughs> Did you hear about this story? No. What's up? Bree, do you want to uh, explain what's happening in District 7? So in District 7, there was, I think, three candidates, and it went down to a runoff between two. And one of them dropped out of the race this week because he said that uh, he got the unexpected news that he was going to become a father, which, cool, okay. But then it, he felt it was best that he moved out of the city to raise the child that he was going to have, which, okay. So you're running for office to, for rep city council. to represent a mm -hmm. community in Denver, but you don't want to live here? What are you saying about our city like I, it felt like a sham situation to me all around like oh what was this guy really doing um also uh women have had to do this their whole lives sir mm -hmm. so i thought i thought back about pat schroeder and how much grief she got when mm -hmm. they were like can you raise children and be a mom and work a job <laughs> And she was like, yeah, I'm a lawyer also, actually. So, oh, and I fly airplanes, but go on. And this fool was like, oh, my God, I can't raise a kid and work. It's going to be so hard. Like, welcome to everyone you, else's experience in the world, Nick Campion. Do you want to hear exactly what he said? Uh, uh, yeah, because I have a feeling I've just heard a biased oh my God. Uh, <laughs> representation of his thoughts. Originally, back in September, my goal was to... When city council make a difference here in Denver, and now that's changed uh, with being a dad, and that, that's my goal is to be an awesome father, be an awesome partner, and still make a difference. But right now, uh, me and my partner felt it was best to move outside of Denver uh, to raise a child. That's what I hate. Is it's not even to somewhere. It's just. Not uh, Denver. Get away from Denver, Just yeah. not Denver. Well, what was he going to do if he had gotten on the council and then right. his wife became pregnant? Was and all these people leave? threw their votes away for this guy. Like, what? Okay. Longtime listeners, you recognize her voice. Uh, for new, new listeners, I would like to introduce you to our guest today, one of our favorites. Joanne Allen is here for many years, Colorado Public Radio, 
column in the Denver Post, her great podcast, Been There, Done That. Welcome back, Joanne. Thank you. I'm always happy to be back. And I love it when Brie gets hopped I up. know. I was like, just know that rage <laughs> is not directed at you, Joanne. I know. I, I know. It was you. slightly directed at Paul when he tried to <laughs> tell you what the guy actually said. You know that said. Paul's like, I'm going to bring out. Yeah, Paul. I couldn't wait to hear it. Anyway, we should move yeah, on. We okay, should move on. Right. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. That's, I mean, we'll post some links to learn more about that whole situation. Let's get into our top story of the week, um, which is housing. The market is totally topsy-turvy. No one can agree what to do about it. There's a lot to talk about here, but we should start with the big uh, item of the week, which is Governor Polis's massive land use reform bill, which was supposed to chart our future growth through these big changes to the zoning code. He wanted to upzone, which means increasing density, um, by eliminating single-family zoning across the state. But this thing has been watered down so much as of this week. It, don't, it no longer includes any state mandate to do anything at all. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. That's not right. I know. It's like, a, to me, it's a laugh out of, like, frustration. Like, yeah, of course that's what we did. Well, Isn't the, that? Yeah, Joanne, go on. I was going to say it feels more like a trial balloon hmm. because... You just don't put all of that kind of stuff in there knowing you're going to get opposition. Polis had to have known that mm. this kind of serious opposition would come along. And he's got, what, three more legislative sessions? So I'm just thinking he's just trying to put test out some waters. feelers. Yeah, test the waters and see. Test his uh, political capital as they might say. I, I, you know, I really think he realizes that there's a housing problem, mm-hmm. and I really think that he wants to figure out how to please people, especially uh, his party, the Democrats, because these mayors around this area were just like, uh-uh, get out of here with that. Truly, unanimous opposition from these local municipal leaders. Yes. Um, so I think he just wanted to see what what is possible and maybe push it a little bit farther than what's possible. But he, it, it just feels like he wanted to know what's up. Yeah. Bree, what do you think? I mean, I'm disappointed, but I'm also, it's such a complicated thing. I agree with you, Joanne. I think he was testing the waters, like how big can we go? Yeah. Um, I admire the governor for attempting to tackle our problem on a state level, because up until this point, I feel like municipalities act like islands like we aren't all impacting each other so when for say for instance Lakewood puts a growth cap that Mm -hmm. pushes people our way and then it's not becomes our problem but like we can't handle all of the affordable housing Denver cannot do it places like Aspen need it so bad steamboat I mean that was the first carve out too ski towns that was interesting which is like who do you think runs the ski towns Mm-hmm. Lift operators, garbage men. Yeah. I mean, all of these people that you don't see, this frustration I have with the people that go unseen but make cities work, and they're being pushed further and further. And in mountain towns, it's a struggle because if you can't be anywhere near Aspen, it's a danger for you to have to drive in to do your job. And there was, <laughs> I'll, sh- well, I'll put it in the show notes this Aspen Daily News. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me about this. This Aspen Daily News commentary killed me. It's like the most old white guy Colorado garbage I've ever heard. (laughs) Californicating Colorado's housing. God. Governor Polis is pulling a Gavin Newsom and trying to invade, make people able to invade our state. I'm like, sir, do we need to have this basic 101 conversation about how you as a white man got here? Jeez. So at any rate, that's like, that's like, that's an argument as old as time is, right? Talk about an invasion, right? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. come on, bro. Yeah. But, um, but I think 
I thought it was admirable to try to tackle it on a state level. I see some some concerns, definitely. Like upzoning is is great in theory. Would it would it impact our lower income communities in not great ways in the short term? Possibly. That, so that's the hard to me. That's the struggle. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of where I came down. Is Joanne? I kind of feel the opposite of you. Like this, he should have gone further. He should. It shouldn't. He was so ready to pare down, but he should have gone bigger. Like every, he even he recognized that this kind of upzoning has only a long-term effect. Like you can only really expect the kind of density and changes to the market in maybe 10, 15 years. That's what we saw with Cherry Creek Week last week. Mm. They did this upzoning 10 years ago and now they're dealing with all this density that's happening now. So I feel like if he was a little bit more open to some adding some of those short-term things, like looking back at the rent control bill, what happened to that and how his opposition destroyed that, like why not embrace that? Like. And then there's the whole local control of it all. But I don't know. Uh, Joanne, what do you think? Should he have gone bigger? I don't think so. <laughs> I think I mean, he knew he couldn't. I, he knew he couldn't. This guy is a smart dude. Come on. He sure is. And so he knows what's up. And he just wanted to get something out there that would be considered outrageous by certain groups to see what their reaction is so that he can keep talking about housing. And he apparently was down in Centennial the other day talking about his plan, still talking, trying to talk it up, he's going to go all around the state and continue to talk this up. And then the mm. next legislative session, he might get a little bit farther. And then the following and the following and the following. But he yeah. knew he couldn't go as big as, as you would want him to go, Paul. Uh, yeah, that's, I think you're right. I, well, think you're right. And I, I mean, would... you could send him an email and give him some of your thoughts about I this. I would love to talk to him about it. <laughs> would love to talk to him about it. Um, the local control issue, too, I, I understand it to a certain extent because I think about we have all these zoning overlays in specific parts of the city that address specific issues. Um, but I also think, like, how do we think more about building affordable housing into these kinds of things? Because we can build all we right. want, but if it's not affordable, it doesn't matter. And I just struggle with whether legislators, all these people like screaming about their little fiefdoms really want to solve our housing crisis or not. I get the feeling that maybe they don't. Let, let's talk about the screamers. Let's talk about what they care about, who who Polis was up against here. I think the, the loudest, the most important voice, she was a key vote on this, uh, one of the committees that just watered the bill down all uh, to nothing. Senator Rachel Zenzinger, Democrat from Arvada, um, she wrote an op-ed in the Colorado Sun last weekend calling for local control. Uh, her and a co-author, Barb Kirkmeyer, who just lost to uh, Yadira Caraveau in District 8, um, Zenzinger writes, quote, any issue affecting a town, city, county, or region should be subject to local debate and control. Any issue. I mean, uh, there's basic things that we could, I mean. Uh, they call this the Colorado way. What does that mean? Exactly. What does that mean? What does what the are Colorado you way about? mean? We don't build enough housing and we don't house our people? Because if that's the Colorado way, we're already doing it. Yeah. Well, I don't she's know. off on the deep end with that any issue idea. Isn't that nuts? I yeah. thought that was nuts. No, that's crazy. It's like we don't exist in a vacuum in every individual city or suburb for that matter. Arvada is pretty much a suburb that probably relies on a lot of things from Denver as well. Like we have to work together. And it wasn't even like, here's the other way to do housing. It was, I don't want to do only because you're superseding my power. 
I hated the way this debate devolved into just this question of local control. Yeah. That was so frustrating to watch. I, I just have to say that. I also think about the, I mean, this is like the magical dream world where we do change our zoning laws on a statewide level and then cities no longer have to debate every single parcel of land that comes up for a rezoning. It just takes up a lot of time. Like, could we maybe free ourselves from that a little bit and make some more updated, like, changes to our zoning codes that are universal? Well, I wonder if one of the things that if, that Polis could keep in would be to have, he was going to set up a state board mm-hmm. that would work in cooperation with municipalities. I don't know what that state board would look like, who's going to yeah. be appointed to it, or how much they would cooperate. But that's one way. It's like get a city-state cooperation thing going on where the state isn't it that's equal you know equal in terms of of decision making yeah. that 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 might help but I, I i agree i just don't i don't particularly think municipalities need to lose all control i agree i totally agree i just think that on a state level if we could implement some bigger widespread changes it would help us deal with the density issue on a state level because we're clearly not addressing it on a municipal level. If we were, yeah. we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, something needs to be done statewide. I, I agree with you. It's just what would what that, that look like. like that would, and again, trial balloon, Jared Polis, he's got three more years in there. Yeah. For sure. They'll yeah. be back. Yeah. They'll be back. Yeah. And that's what he's saying. He's, I think he was quoted as saying, um, you know, I, I'm willing to take any progress in this bill, implying like he will continue to work for more. <laughs> Did he say that after it got watered down considerably? Yeah, I think so. I, I think also, that was from CPR. I, I totally yeah. agree with you, Joanne, that like this was just a, he was trying, he had to know. Yeah. He had to know it wasn't going to get through with any teeth. So it's frustrating in the short term. But again, if we start the conversation, think about the conversation we have about safe outdoor spaces, yeah. safe outdoor sites. Yeah. Again, if you if you pitched that 10 years ago, most city council people would be like, absolutely not. Now we have most city council people on board. So it's introducing ideas and taking that time to build on those ideas to get to the point where we actually can implement something. Yeah, it's like what you were about to say. It's a conversation starter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking about like what the local municipalities are doing here in Denver. I think the housing conversation has taken an interesting turn. I mean, our city council, our mayor, they they did pass that big affordable housing um, bill last year. So they're not like they're talking about that stuff, too. This week, though, on Monday night, uh, for the second time in history, they voted this time unanimously to protect a building from demolition through historic designation. So in this case, the building was a Dutch colonial revival style mansion at 1741 Gaylord Street, uh, which the owner, a developer, Mike Matheson, wanted to bulldoze to build, you know, 37 or maybe 54 apartments. There were different reports I saw, but big apartment building versus Dutch colonial style mansion. That's where our housing conversation is now here locally. Bree, what do you think? I, I think I've talked about this a lot on the show. I think preservationists and density people are just not having the same conversation. Um, I understand both. I absolutely see both sides of this conversation. As a person that grew up here, it's very difficult to be on a block and it have been obliterated in terms of like it, the built environment is totally changed. So there's just still this shock, I think, for folks that are like every, it feels like every building gets torn down. So I, I feel that and I understand that. At the same time, we're talking about a piece of land right in the middle of the city mm-hmm. 
that could absolutely be beneficial. It's near transit corridors, it's near city park, that could be a wonderful place to have more density and more housing. But how do we have a conversation that balances those two things? I don't know. I know adaptive reuse is a difficult thing to do. We can't just build around this building and build it into an apartment complex. But maybe is there some way to do some sort of tax incentives where we could do more adaptive reuse? I don't know. But the conversation never gets there because it's like preservation or density. It's like they can't exist together. What is it about this building that's so special? I don't I, I don't quite get it. I think a lot of people it. would ask that same question. I mean, because I saw a few photographs of it, saw it on the outside. It's it's lovely on the outside, but the inside oh, really? is a mess. Really? <laughs> yeah. The inside just looks like an abandoned large building. Huh. And so I'm trying to, f- I, and I couldn't, the articles that I read, I couldn't, no one explained why this is such a, other than it being Dutch and was built in 1902 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, no one else explained why this is an important building. It's not like Harriet Tubman slept there. I mean, what what is it? What's the reason? I, I don't get it. Because I, I had the same experience. I couldn't tell. Paul, again, thinking back to Cherry Creek Week, right? Exactly. We watched the Richard Crowther house get knocked down. Many people would say it was ugly. I would agree it was ugly. It was also yeah. a laboratory for... <laughs> for sure. It was also a museum to yeah. how to build yeah. energy efficient housing in the 70s. Yeah, if you were That nobody seemed to catch on and wanted yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, so I would see that but also like they didn't vote for that i think about the carmen court apartments Mm -hmm. i think about all these other tom's diner very contentious Mm. for real good reasons Mm -hmm. so the it's it's just a conversation we need to figure out where we can bring everybody to the table and have an honest conversation that's not you hate density you hate old buildings it's fascinating how this historic preservation stuff is kind of like a barometer for the housing market in that way. Like what people are more willing to uh, preserve or not preserve based on the level of perceived need. Fascinating mm. stuff. This Crowther house, this, this one on Gaylord. Anyway, there's tons more to talk about about all that stuff and we will do that. But we got another really great topic after the break because something new has been happening in Denver this week. <gasps> Affordable housing? No. <laughs> no, no, of course not. No. Um, We'll be back. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by the Denver Botanic Gardens. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, house plants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. 
The garden's horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org. And we're back. From Calgary to Chattanooga and Miami to Montevideo, dozens of mayors from all over North and South America descended on humble Denver this week for panel discussions, workshops, secret backroom deals, and skill shares that they called the City's Summit of the Americas. Hold on. This was all mayors? All mayors. I had the opportunity to go yell at a bunch of other mayors Dozens. from other cities and I didn't do it? You could have done this. I can't this could I have been your week. I get a personal invitation to go <laughs> scream at Calgary's mayor. Um, anyway, so in honor of the, the international flavor we enjoyed in Denver this week, I put together a round of Two Truths and a Lie to test both of your knowledge on Denver's sister cities around the world. We got to know something about the other cities. You don't cities? have to yeah. know any. Well, you're going to have to know well, something. Well, I know okay. as much as you do right okay, now. Okay, all which right. Is probably I thought it was going to be about Denver, but all right, okay. Well, you'll see. You'll all see. Right. Okay. Also, just sorry about the pronunciation. Just carte blanche for the whole segment. I'm going to pronounce stuff wrong. Okay, number one. <laughs> Brest, France was Denver's first sister city dating back to 1948. That's the second oldest sister city relationship in the entire United States. Here are the two also truths a and a lie. Also a park. In Cherry Creek, city of Brest Park. Very funny when you're a kid. City of Brest. That is funny. It's like city of... Is it, is it south of Cherry Creek Mall? Uh, yes. Yeah, cause I think I saw it's that. It's at Colorado Boulevard-ish. Yeah, 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 I saw that. And Cherry Creek. Yeah. <laughs> I, did. I laughed. Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Thank you. For <laughs> All right. So. Okay. Two truths and a lie about Brest, France. Number one, like the kitschy, fun, four-mile historic park here in Denver, Brest boasts an immersive historical experience of its own. Theirs is called the Tour de la Matte. Tangay, and it exhibits what life was like in this Brittany city prior to World War II. Okay, so that's one that's potential. One. Mm-hmm. That is also, a your long... French is terrible for being Canadian, And that's Paul. a long thing to remember, Paul. Well, I mean, I, I wrote down. I took okay. some time working on this. Okay. Is, is, does this place have a four-mile, an immersive historical experience? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. Um, number two, like Denver, Brest is proud of their world-famous aquarium. While ours is known for being owned by a chain of seafood restaurants, <laughs> theirs is the largest open-air aquarium in Europe. Number three, Denver recently saw the triumphant return of our annual 420 festival celebrating all things weed. And like Denver, Brest is something of a weed capital in France, the most dispensaries per capita. So two truths and a lie. The third one is the lie. I want the third one to be a lie, but that feels like it's like too good. I'm going to go with the aquarium. Aquarium? Mm Mm-hmm. Joanne, uh, I'm going to go the with the weed. It's the weed. You're exactly right. Weed oh. is illegal in France. Decriminalized. That's what though. I thought so. I thought I didn't, I know, didn't know, that. know that you could get weed in France. I, yeah. yeah, I did not know that either. <laughs> I like this game. It's fun. I, I, I enjoyed putting this together. All right. Number two. Nairobi, Kenya became Denver's sister city in 1975. Your two truths and a lie are these. Number one. Like Denver, the people of Nairobi worry about water scarcity. Their city was also built in a high desert without any major water source, forcing generations of Kenyans to build ever longer water supply lines. Okay. Number two. So you got to know some geography about Kenya. Like Denver, Nairobi rests in the shadow of great mountains. Mount Kenya, just to the north, Mount Kilimanjaro. 
Those are a 17er and a 19er, Ooh. just in case. Okay. Curious. Um, and then number three, Lake Denver, Nairobi boasts a large animal reserve right outside the city. Just like we drive through the Rocky Mountain Arsenal to see bison, the people of Nairobi are a mere day trip away from giraffes, zebras, and black rhinos at Nairobi National Park. I know nothing about the geography here. I don't know where it is. In the Do you know, Joanne, Nairobi, Kenya? Uh, I don't know Nairobi well, but I'm going to say the lie is number two. Okay, that would be the mountains, not near the mountains. Bree, you got a uh, guess? I'm going to go with the water. The water is correct. They have Yay! plenty of water in Kenya, as a matter of fact. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Not me. Just a guess. So the um, lie is number one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right, we're tied, Bree. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, number three, Potenza, Italy, became Denver's sister city in 1983. Uh, so your two truths and a lie are, one, Potenza is the ancestral home of Denver's most notorious Northside family of rum runners gangsters. The Small Downs. The Small Downs. Number two, like Denver, Potenza seems to love adaptive reuse. We talked about that earlier. They have an, a medieval castle that's now used to host art exhibitions. Okay. And number three... Like Denver, Potenza loves to smother their food in green chili, but they don't call it that. Their most famous culinary export is a green marinara made with tomatillos called verdenera. Verdenera. That one feels like too good to be really true. Like, could they have something as similar as we do that's like such a staple? I say three is the lie. You think Verdanera is not real? I do too. Gosh, you saw right through me. <laughs> Sorry, up. Paul. That was like, I there's that no... Was fun. You turn red it when you tell fun, the lie. It was fun, but there just was uh, no that's way. That's I know. Dang it. I have a tell. <laughs> I know. I was like, you shouldn't be playing this with two people that kind of know you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's do one more. Um, Kunming, China became Denver's eighth sister city in 1986. So the, the three options are, one... While Denver is known as the Mile High City for our specific altitude, Kunming also sits at almost exactly one mile above sea level, but it's known as the City of Eternal Spring because it's more temperate. It's closer to the equator. Which city is this? Kunming, China. Okay. Okay. China also massive. I have no idea. It's like, where is this place? (laughs) Uh, Number two, Colorado's state flower is the Columbine, a beautiful purple and white flower that also grows native in the fields outside Kunming. Mm, that feels a little too, mm. too coincidental. Perfect, too perfect. Mm. Number three, while Denverites are known to roll up a joint, the people of Kunming are also famous smokers. The biggest company in Kunming is Hongta Tobacco Group. That seems legit. I'm going to oh, go with geez. the Columbine flower. I think they're all a lie. <laughs> you think all no, of them are I, a lie? I'm, I'm going to go with one is the lie. So that uh, that the it's not it's not one mile high, but more temperate. Uh, Bree, you were right on this one. It's not the Columbine. They don't grow it there. There is a Columbine that I grows really in Asia, guess. but it's it uh, totally different. Also, Paul, I forgot to mention Potenza Park is right by your house. Yeah, that's I, a great park. Because I yeah, but you know what it was when I was a kid? No, what just was a it? dump field. It had nothing just in a- it. <laughs> there was literally it wasn't even a park. It had no grass. It had nothing. Jeez. So brutal you got the you got the fruits of growth you got a nice park over there well, thanks to the sister city program yeah I, perhaps anyway um i think that's plenty of uh, two truths and a lie thanks well, for brie one what, what does she get for her efforts 
a week a off. Round. I <laughs> wish. Wait, two weeks off. Great. Okay. Sign me up. Anyway, we got one more thing for you this week. Um, the weekend. When we come back, we're going to do something. <laughs> when we come back, who knows? Are we coming back? Stay tuned. What's up, weather fam? Rain or shine, I'm Andy Stein here with your CityCast Denver weather forecast for this weekend. Hey, y'all, this was a, a pretty wet week in Denver. We had over a half an inch of rain that fell in the middle of the week, and after a few snow showers and rain showers at the end of this week, I think it's time for us to get rewarded, and we will. Saturday and Sunday is looking absolutely beautiful. We have uh, some pretty sunny skies in the forecast, highs in the low 70s to right near 70 both days. We actually have a chance for a few afternoon thunderstorms on Sunday. Those are going to be super isolated, so I don't think you have to worry about anything if you were planning on getting out. And by the way, if you haven't listened to this week's podcast, uh, they are super interesting. Um, the stargazing one is one that I'm very uh, interested in because obviously you can't stargaze if there's clouds, so I uh, pay attention to that quite a bit. And I'm starting my own garden this year. and. I just learned so many new things about what I need to do with my garden. So overall, hey, get out there, enjoy the weather. It's the only weather we've got. All right, and we're back. It's time for the official CityCast Denver, maybe for your weekend, as in maybe you'll see us there. Because as usual, there's so many cool things happening in Denver this weekend, but there's only one where you might see us. Peyton Garcia rounds up her best bets in our newsletter, Hey Denver, every week, and she's here to give us her top picks. Peyton, welcome back to the show. Hey, everybody. Hey, Peyton. Hi, Pay. What do we got this week? Okay. Well, first, I do have to remind everybody that the Avs and the Nuggets both have playoff games this weekend. So don't forget to do that. That's a that's a mandatory weekend. Do that. Must do. <laughs> the Avs, I think, the Sun, the Suns and the Nuggets. That's a whole new series. The Avs have yes. an elimination game, but it's not the good kind. Oh. They are not playing great. They are yeah. down. They could be knocked out by this upstart Kraken team out of Seattle. We do not like this. This <sighs> have, is bad I have news. I a grudge against the Kraken, but go ahead. That would be a fun game to watch. I'll I, tell you after. Okay. Um, also, I will just say, yes, the Nuggets are. will have had a couple days break before they jump into this next round with the Suns, who I'm glad we had a break before because they're very good. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I want us to beat them. Yes. Okay. But we we're not will. talking about. We we're will. Not, yes, we that will. was that's your weekend. That's your weekend down. must do. Mm -hmm. Here's your weekend maybes. Um, okay, so we're gonna start with the REI Pancake 5K and Nutrition Fair. That's oh. taking place <laughs> that's at a the loaded thing. <laughs> I know. Um, and one could argue pancakes are not entirely nutritious, but uh, yeah, I digress. <laughs> probably win it's, that argument. It's yeah. at the downtown um, REI, and it's there's a it's family friendly, dog friendly. Um, you do a 5k and then you eat pancakes afterwards i don't like to get up early and i don't like pancakes but you know i figure there's people out there who do it sounds like a fun thing so paul well, likes to run I'm into this i like you're to gonna, eat you're gonna do it i'm in running shape right now oh. i'm just starting in for my season and i think nutrition in this context means new newfangled like chocolate protein bars mm. and like mm -hmm. oat and like neutral i love that stuff you that, love like, all those fake chemically protein garbage oh, protein yes. waffles <laughs> and like protein candy and stroop waffle you ever had a stroop oh, yeah. oh i have those are great energy stroop there's that's gonna be at this event i've only had those because i used to house it for some like runner marathon people and they were packed up with those weird 
space age snacks. Doesn't it? Don't you normally have Just all the carbs like the night before the race, or it, but Carbo this time it's, it's after the race. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. that would make you feel I mean, heavy. Okay, so Sorry. not not yeah. something I would maybe do. It's Saturday morning, but it's something that I wish I would do, which is why I included it. What time? Um, nine a.m. You have oh, to arrive at eight thirty. Start run starts at nine. Paul will have been up for like four hours already, so <laughs> <Yeah>. it's fine. <laughs> Perfect for him. All right, Peyton, what do we got? Um, What's number two? Next one. So I actually stole this one from yesterday's podcast. So if you listen to yesterday's CityCast Denver episode, we spoke with, uh, I'm sorry, what was his name, Paul? Ron Rannick. Yes, from the Denver Astronomical Society. And he mentioned an event on the show um, that is happening at the Chamberlain Observatory where they put all their telescopes on the lawn and people who are interested in getting involved in stargazing and stuff can go and like test out telescopes and it sounded so fun when I listened to the episode I had to include it because that definitely sounds like something I would check out it's free um oh it's it's good I was wondering when the next one was so Mm -hmm. that's perfect and if you haven't listened to that episode the things you think you might know about how to stargaze here you would be surprised yeah he had a lot of great tips so Mm -hmm. check out that episode and then if you're interested there's um an open house at the Chamberlain Observatory tomorrow night Julian you into stars no. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Okay. I'm, I'm waiting for number three. All okay. Right. Hit us with number three. Number three. So this one is kind of happening across Denver Metro, but it's called Dia del Nino. It's a day that's celebrated in Mexico, April 30th. It's been celebrated in Mexico hmm. since 1925, and it's literally just a day to celebrate the children. Um, and hmm. so I guess across Metro Denver, a ton of museums and other institutions participate, and they... Uh, let kids in for free and they have all of these fun activities that you can do so like um Denver Museum of Nature and Science participates, Denver Public Libraries, the Denver Art Museum, Colorado History, the zoo, all sorts of places. Um, if you look up MCC Denver, which is the Mexican Cultural Center of Denver, uh, they've got a list of places that participate and that's happening throughout the weekend. There's some that's some stuff that's happening today, some stuff that's happening tomorrow and Sunday. Mm. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Is that something you do with Montgomery, Breen? Yeah. He's still at that age where just like he doesn't really know what's going on and he puts everything in his mouth, but <laughs> it could be fun. <laughs> he likes to play with other kids. Yeah. So sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Fun family outing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like the other two people at the table don't have kids, so they're like, whatever. I'm a mom now, so. Thank you, Peyton. Thank you. Thank you for bringing the idea of celebrating kids and, and hanging out with them in a museum. That that appeals to me much more so than stargazing or running oh. a race. Gee. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's okay. a front runner for Joanne so far. That's nice. Yeah, that's my front runner. All right. And then we're doing something kind of fun for um, option number four. We actually had a listener call in and suggest an event. Oh, fun. Hi, Bree. My name's Angela from the YMCA of Metro Denver. I love your show. Thank you for totally keeping me up on all things Denver. Plus, the mayor's race have very much appreciated that. Um, I'm hoping that you might consider an announcement um, of your weekend events, considering our Healthy Kids Day event, which is at five of our locations around Denver, including our University Hills location, Arvada, Littleton, Aurora, and Southwest Denver Lakewood area. Healthy Kids Day is a chance for kids and families to do everything from axe throwing safely to uh, fun houses to meeting their local library or police officer or getting into a fire truck. We're really focused on kids' safety as we go into summer and some really fun family events. 
and um, and Fun Sports Game Sports and Science will be one of the things going on. So we'd love to tell you more about it. I'll text you some follow up when I'm not driving. Um, but it's this Saturday, nine to twelve, and it's a great opportunity for families to come out and really kick off the spring season. Thanks. Bye bye. Oh, I love this idea. I love that. Like, so every time Montgomery sees a fire truck or an ambulance, he just goes, wheel, wheel. <laughs> and so, like, if he got to go <sighs> climb on one, I think that would, like, blow his mind. Yeah. Also, I love the YMCA. We belonged there when I was, a, like, when I was a kid, and um, it was awesome. I love that idea. Thanks, Angela, for, for thinking of us. I, I like the, that one, too. I, I mean, axe throwing safely. I do love the I mean, axe throwing. I don't think I would let my child do it, but it'd be fun to watch other children do it. <laughs> if, if it's safe. <laughs> Kids throwing axes. That sounds great. I'm I'd like, love to watch that. I have a feeling it's one of those play axes, right? It's not a real I'm sure. Axe. I'm sure. Oh, okay. There's only I'm one way to moment. find out. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I don't know. Is that the one for me? That's the one for me. Kids throwing axes? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that would, I would go to that one for sure. Yeah, it sounds fun. Family friendly. I've got a kid now, so he's way too small to throw an axe. But, <laughs> but he could learn. Benicio you could. Go. You never know. You never know. No, yeah. I, like, I like the last one, too. I like it. Because kids having fun and really having fun. It's with, pretty with, cute. Yeah, yeah. Fun houses? Yeah. Well, and there you have it. The official CityCast Denver may be for your weekend, but there's way more where that came from. Peyton's got plenty more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now by texting Denver to 66866. Thanks, Peyton. Yeah. Before we say goodbye today, we do have one last item. Oh. This is uh, a bittersweet note to end the show oh. on, but we are saying goodbye this week to our producer, Aaron. <gasps> Aaron. Aaron O'Toole. Oh, no. Hi. Or bye. Yes. <laughs> Aaron, do you want to? I mean, this has just been like the most fabulous experience. I have loved every minute of being with CityCast Denver. I am moving to Fort Collins. I've actually already moved to Fort Collins, where I realize they do their mayoral election in November. Oh, lucky Like at you. a normal time. So, so you got so another one. You got another one to. coming oh. up. I don't Aww. think there's going to be 17 or 16 candidates locally, so it's going to be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for that, and I'm still going to be listening to CityCast Denver every day. Well, what will you be doing in Fort Collins? Running for mayor? Uh, heck no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I'll just be observing from afar. Okay. You know, trying out some of the restaurants there, hitting yeah. up some music spots. Yeah. Fort Collins is cool. Yeah, yeah. I love FOCO. Yeah. It's a great place. Well, we're excited for Thanks, you, Aaron. Aaron. And Thanks, very yeah. grateful Thanks. for the the great year we've had. We'll post a, some links to some of the the episodes you made with us. That you know, good memories. Awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. I have a favorite. It's the one where you guys go to the Avs parade. Oh, <laughs> that was one what of our first day. ones. I that think. was one of the first ones. Yeah. I think that was my very it first Thursday in person yeah. episode. Oh, yeah. that was so fun. Yeah, that was my first time commuting to Denver. By the way, on the bus thing, and then trying to get over here. Pro tip, don't try to drive in Denver or uh, Uber in Denver on a parade day. Yeah, yeah. good point. Every <laughs> street's closed. day to yeah. do that. <laughs> I'm having to call my boss on my first day in person. Like, I'm going to be about 45 minutes late. Because everything is shut down. <laughs> That's a good point. Thanks, uh, Aaron. Well, th- yeah, thank you so much, Aaron. And, <laughs> thank and you. Thank you, Joanne and Peyton and Bree. It was a fun one. See Thanks, y'all next guys. week. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Happy weekend. Yeah. Bye. Enjoy the snow. Stop. Ha <laughs> <laughs> 
That's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Aaron O'Toole. Peyton Garcia rates our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mochachetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram, at CityCast Denver, and tell Nick Campion about us the next time you see him. You can sign up for that daily newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week. Denver, Denver, Denver. Denver, Denver. Denver, Denver. Park 8A Denver. Denver.